Welcome to Let Me Be Brief. I'm Andy Rieger, along with the wonderful Matthew Basinger of SwellSpark. We, as always, are here in the studios of Let It Fly Media. And as always, we're drinking coffee brought to you by Hub International today. Today, we've got a really awesome episode with Jeff Odo of Citywide Facility Solutions. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me join you guys. So you mentioned just as we were getting, you know, walking into the studio today, you have three daughters, one of which is at K-State, one of which is at KU, one is at uh, in Nashville. Yes. Um, you went to K-State. And so do you have a favorite daughter? That's really the, the top question. <laughs> Absolutely. Be Olivia Odo. Olivia Odo. <laughs> no. Um, thanks for being here. For, like, I know it's a really simple question. What does your company do? Uh, we provide facility maintenance solutions to commercial properties, which effectively means we can help any uh, building owner or property manager with any facility maintenance service that they have. Lawn and landscaping, security, guard services, uh, painting, janitorial, window washing, roof repair, all of those services. But anything that a, a commercial property has a need for, we provide those facility main solutions. So you guys are basically the company that when a property owner doesn't want to deal with any of the headaches, you are the headache resource. That's right. We're a one-stop shop for all those services. And how long have you been doing this? Well, my dad started a cleaning company in 1961. And uh, in 1991, I changed it from a cleaning company to what we are today, which is basically a management company that provides all the services. So in 61, he did everything with his own in-house employees, his own equipment, his own inventory, his own vehicles. And it was just very, very difficult. And I remember going to the family meeting. There's, I've got an older brother and younger brother. And every Wednesday, we go to our family board meetings. And I said, Mom and Dad, I was like, I love you guys. I love the opportunity, but I hate being a janitor. And it's not that I'm above being a janitor. We, we never got an allowance. We worked our way through everything. My, uh, it, uh, that's just what we did. It was just it was very hard to find people who really cared about us. And as a middle child, I'm a people pleaser. And I um, uh, was just venting. And, and they're all looking at me like, are you done whining and complaining? I mean, your mom and I have been doing this for 30 years. You come in for 30 minutes and you're complaining already, right? And so anyway, I had this uh, gentleman between that Wednesday board meeting and the following Wednesday board meeting, a gentleman by the name of Mr. Cho knocked on my doors and he said, uh, I lost my only account in Kansas City. I've got a great group of uh, Koreans that uh, uh, are skilled in, in, a, in janitorial. Do you subcontract? I know we've got a short period of time, so short, long story short is I ended up giving them five buildings that night, and I went back to the family board meeting next Wednesday, and I said, I think I'm on to something. I don't think we have to have our own uh, employees and our own equipment inventory, all those things. I think I can partner with guys like Mr. Cho, who's got friends and family in these buildings, and we focus on the client experience, and that's kind of how we changed it in 1991 from being a janitorial company to a management company in the building maintenance industry. It's amazing how one person can come in and knock on your doors and buy. Uh, my dad says I was the change was due to laziness. I, I believe it's due to divine intervention and the truth is somewhere in between, but that's kind of how we change the business model. Well, part of the whole goal of business in some ways is to find ways to be as lazy as possible, right? It's <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> that's how you grow a business. Yeah, that's how, like, that's oh, how you know you've made it. <laughs> there it is. You can finally be lazy. <laughs> um, so you said 1991, yeah. right? It was a, in short, a family business. How many employees do you have now? Um, how many offices? How many locations? Yeah. Uh, well, let's put it in perspective. It took us 30 years to get to $3 million in, in revenue. 
And 30 years later, after we changed it to the management company, we'll do over $400 million. We're working on budgets right now, so we'll do over $400 million next year. So it's amazing. Um, we have 17,000 people plus working with us. They're not all employees because sure. they're employees of our contractors. Mm-hmm. And then we have franchises. And so Kansas City itself, the home office, uh, who supports the uh, uh, U.S. and Canadian operations, we have several hundred people here in Kansas City, and the other 16,700-plus people are either employees of contractors or franchisees. So this this franchisor, franchisee model that you guys are the franchisor, so your go-to-market strategy in new markets is open the opportunity for a franchisee to open a location, correct? Mm -hmm. And do you... Restrict it so that it's one franchisee per city. How do you really make these geographical determinations? Yeah, well, you know, it was a decision early on and up front where I believe that I wanted uh, a smaller group of people who I had an intimate relationship with and a bunch of uh, very successful people. And so rather than having thousands of people, I wanted a small number. So I divided the com- country into about 167 markets. And um, I thought life was too short to be sued by franchisees who believe your market's too small or being encroached upon by the franchisee next to them, and it's too short to be suing franchisees. for. So we just went with small, and I've got great relationships. Every single franchisee comes through me. I'm the last call before we invite them to come to Kansas City. Then they have dinner with my wife. Most all of them have had dinner with my daughters, come to my house. They, I mean, it's just I go to uh, visit them. We've got great relationships with our franchisees. So they're part, truly part of the family. And what is that relationship like from the beginning to you know full implementation? Are they paying in to be a franchisee, and then you are providing the marketing resources? You are putting them into the platform. What's that integration like and that financial? Yeah, feeling? any good franchisor provides a business in a box. So you can. Uh, we've got sixty years of track record and experiences that we provide to a franchisee who, from day one, has an accounting system and a legal system and an HR system and a social media platform and a marketing platform. Uh, all of those things are delivered to a franchisee on day one. So they they pay us a franchise fee. They come to training for two weeks in Kansas City. Then we go spend time in their market. And before long, they're growing their business and making money and spreading the ripple outside in their territory. And I think what a lot of folks don't maybe get to fully understand is, I mean, you have, you have corporate own, I suppose, mm-hmm. right? And yes. then, But that transition from, hey, I'm going to run this business where we're doing the thing to I'm going to run the business that is helping other franchisees. Yeah. They're very, very different structures. How did you make that transition from I'm doing what we're doing here in Kansas City uh-huh. to I'm going to I'm gonna have this go out into the world? You know, I told you about Mr. Cho. Yep. It changed the business model from 1991 uh, from in-house to what we do today. Well, in 2001, we started franchising because a gentleman by the name of Tom Hill came and spoke to our Vistage group. Tom Hill is the co-author for Chicken Soup for the Soul. And he said that uh, it's not – he said, I travel the country talking to CEOs and business owners like yourselves who are unfulfilled, who are not living their highest purpose in life, who are financially successful, but they're missing something. And he said, I'm telling you that the only way to get to Maslow's hierarchy, uh, the uh, top of the pyramid, and to truly be fulfilled in life is to go from being financially successful – to being significant. Mm. And the best way to be significant is to teach other people how you've had uh, success in life. And I went home that night and I started doing research. 
uh, on franchising. And the very next day, I called a competitor of ours and I said, I want you to leave the competition and come to work for me. Teach me franchising. I don't know anything about it. And um, it was wonderful. I mean, we I just dove in head first, didn't know anything about it. And before long, now we've got 80 franchises across the uh, country or across, yeah, U.S. and Canada. And it's been absolutely wonderful. So 80 franchises, 167 markets means you have a lot of openings yes, for potential franchisees. Yes, we do. Franchisees. Yeah. Uh, so on a franchisee level, talking about Mr. Cho and that model and how that was really implemented, you know, it seems like one of the biggest, I don't want to call it hurdles, right? I mean, marketing to get business is one thing, but finding the right subs to assist each franchisee seems like an entirely separate business model. How do you oversee the quality control in that element so that you know the subs that are being brought in to work with each franchisee uphold the standards that yeah. you've built for the brand? That's going to cost you a franchise fee and 5% royalties. <laughs> <laughs> the secret sauce. That's yeah. fair. It really is. I mean, I think that's the... Any, what we do is not unique. It's how we do it. Sure. And that's what we really have to go about teaching the franchisees how to do that. So it does, um, uh, it's more complicated than it seems, but yet it's yeah. not difficult. It's just sure. you have to go out and execute the plan. Yeah. Do you own any franchises yourself? Yes, sir, I do. So are you the Kansas City market, some Kansas, others? Kansas and Missouri and Silicon Valley. Got it. Yes. Yeah. So do you, own, do, you clean, do you have any big offices that you're in charge of in Silicon Valley? Any really cool ones? I'm sure we do. Unfortunately, I just don't know. That's fair. We'll just, Andy, are. stop. We'll just assume stop. you do all the coolest tech companies. Yeah. Andy will trade you a bunch of his alcohol for the secret sauce of how to grow business, probably. <laughs> but to take it a different way, right, there's two contexts of the next question. Um, simply, how is business? And the context one is obviously COVID has, has been very kind to some folks and very unkind to others. But also, I mean, you've been working with your company for a long time. And so um, I'll just throw that out there. How, how is business going for you guys? Uh, best year ever. And it's, uh, I'd like, sometimes it's better to be lucky than smart. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we didn't realize, you know, when we started this business is uh, we never heard of the, the definition of being an essential business or not. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that we ended up really being blessed with is that we teach all of our franchisees that we give them this um, target to choose for. And in the, in the target, there is a bullseye that says every salesperson, every city should be pursuing this type of customer. Mm -hmm. And then it's just one type of customer. And after you've pursued that, then tier mm -hmm. one is nine industries and segments, um, nine different industries and types of business before you go to tier two, three, four, and five. Well, as it turns out, almost all of those nine industries that we are teaching our franchisees to go after are businesses that are still open. Mm. So had we been teaching them, like um, since we don't do bars and restaurant and retail and bowling sure. alleys and theaters and, you know, those kind of places. You just are, named all of my businesses. Did you? Well, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry because <laughs> those are the, the – our, our sure. uh, competitors who are serving those clients – are really, really struggling. Sure. So not all uh, companies are created equal. Just so happens that our uh, target market is pretty much all essential business. And, and so our franchisees are doing extremely well. That's great. Yeah. So are you, when I say next question, like, are you hiring? And, and I mean that from a corporate office here in Kansas City, like, to, has your growth brought on the need for new employees? Are you guys hoping to grow 
not just uh, outside as far as your new franchise locations, but here yeah. in Kansas City as well. Yeah, we're always looking for good people, of course. That's mm -hmm. the, that is our number one challenge and probably the number one challenge of any uh, high growth company. But the number one thing that I'm looking for right now are partners. So I've got an opportunity after um, 17, 18 years in franchising, my franchisees are starting to retire. Wow. So I want to start buying back um, a franchisee a year or two a year, something along those lines. So I'm looking for people who have an interest in being a business owner. They're tired of making money for the next guy. You know, they want to build equity for themselves, be in control of their own destiny. They'll come through Kansas City for a one-year management training program. We know who's not renewing. Sure. And so we'll be able to say, hey, if you come through a one-year training program in Kansas City, I'll make you a partner in uh, whatever the city is coming up next. Absolutely. Can you find those opportunities on your guys' website? No. No. But um, you can find it by reaching out to me at <laughs> jodo at gocitywide.com. There you go. O-D-D-O. We got it. Uh, all three billion listeners. Yeah, right. Write that down. <laughs> I thought we were up to four. <laughs> Is Could it be. still three? <laughs> Rounding down, oh. not up. Uh, so you, 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 this is a family business. Yeah. Something that has been in your family literally your whole life. Yeah. You talked about at the very beginning, you have three daughters. Yep. Olivia is your favorite. Of course. Do you see Olivia or either of the other two taking over from you at some point in time? What's your transition look like in that sense? Well, here's what I'm trying to do is uh, full transparency with my girls at all times. They know everything that's going on. They meet with my COOs. I've, I own four different companies, four different COOs. They meet with the different COOs and the CFOs of each one of those companies. They understand the financial statements, balance sheets, cash flows. They understand amortization, depreciation better than most uh, uh, any adult. And they review those financial statements uh, and they understand business plans and strategy sessions. And so what I'm trying to do is to teach them all to be able to be a board of director. And I say, if you'll give me eight hours a week ongoing for the rest of your life, we'll be able to perpetuate this business and protect the livelihood of those, um, uh, all those people who are working with us we'll be able to protect their livelihood and perpetuate this business to the next generation. If you want to work in the business, you can. That, But my job as a father is to teach you how to be a board of director, understand um, how you can be successful through leading through a professional uh, leadership team. And if you do that, we're, we're going to win. And I think that they all embrace that. Even my daughter, who's a nurse, she was on the meeting yesterday. We had a, a board deck sessions. She she uh, signs in through uh, Skype, and boy, she she sees it all. She reads them. She comes prepared, and they, I think I think we got a really good chance of uh, of bringing it to the next generation. That's awesome. My my kids are seven, five, and three. Okay. And we had a store burned down last year. Another story for another day. But my, my only questions I get from my kids is, Dad, did any of your stores burn down today? Um, <laughs> and and the answer, fortunately, is no. But we, in, in, in reality or yeah, no, theoretically? No, 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 was, is that yeah. the great question you ask them? Like, because technically today every store burned down, but we're doing better now, you know? Jeff, we could talk, uh, I think, for hours about all sorts of questions Annie and I have, but the whole purpose of this podcast, right, is let me be brief. Um, I hope to engage listeners and, and understand even just the smallest part of what it is that you do. So, I'm, But I want to switch subjects completely. My company is all about experiences, right? Um, and so my question for you is simply, what is the best experience you've ever had? Not in a business sense, but like, have you ever gone skydiving? Or is there something really cool that you've done, 
you know, with your family? Uh, I'm going to be selfish and talk about just me. So I've got great experiences with my family, but the greatest experience of my life next to my wife and daughters is... That's because those don't count. That's that's, not part of the question. (laughs) So you're safe here. Of of course, I mean, right. Um, I bought a guitar for for my 50th birthday. I've never Mm -hmm. played any musical instruments. I bought a guitar for the 50th birthday and I learned how to play guitar and I got to sing and perform at knuckleheads in front of a live audience. And uh, that was the most terrifying, exhilarating, rewarding experience of my life, next to my wife and daughter. So, (laughs) honey, I love you very much. We're gonna cut that part out. (laughs) No, but that's been wonderful. It's It's amazing. That's great. Well, hey, thanks for coming on the show. We really yeah. appreciate you making time for us. And it's it's incredible to hear about your growth, which is the best of luck. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to catch up soon as well. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Joe. 